Welcome to the Voice of Business, the official podcast of the Chamber of Commerce Hawaii, brought to you by Altruist. I'm your host, Joe McGarry. Our guest today is Dr. Wai Ali Ali Sarsona. She's Vice President of Kamehameha Schools' new Hi'ialo Group. The word Hi'ialo speaks to how one carries and nurtures something precious. The Hi'ialo Group fosters the holistic development of Native Hawaiians as local and global leaders from early learning to adulthood. Dr. Sarsona holds a Doctor of Education degree in Educational Professional Practice, a Master of Education degree in Private School Leadership from the University of Hawaii at Manoa, an MBA from Hawaii Pacific University, and a Bachelor's degree in Education with emphasis on Hawaiian language and culture from UH Manoa. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No, it's a, really, it's a pleasure to have you. We're, we're going, I think, today to talk mostly about the new Hi'alo group mm-hmm. with that wonderful word that speaks about how you carry and nurture someone. Tell us, first of all, about the, the beginnings of this group, why it was formed, what the purpose is. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for having me today. Uh, I, I love talking about the work I get to do at Kamehameha School. So Hi'alo really means to nurture um you imagine carrying a baby sort of in, in, in front. And um, while we have uh, our campuses, which serve uh, 7,000 learners from our um, three campuses to our preschool, we also do so, so much more. And that includes an additional 67,000 learners in our community. And so when, when I say hi'ialo, I really mean embracing all Native Hawaiian learners um, that we're able to serve across, across our state. Um, and so for me, that also includes all of our community work, including our preschools. Um, so I get to see our babies uh, in our preschools grow and thrive in um, the things that we do focus on growing their identity and their sense of place um, and belonging uh, through what we use is a Hawaiian culture-based education. So really exciting. So really your network and your reach, I think, is so much broader than most people realize. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think about the amazing campus mm-hmm. and anyone who's ever been up there has their breath taken away with how beautiful it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but really you reach and your work goes to so many more places. Let's talk about mm-hmm. that just for a little bit, about how do you reach your communities who very much need your help, but are in, you know, neighbor islands in, in, in far flung places places. How, how mm-hmm. does that operation work? 67,000 people is no small group right. to be taken care of. Right. And that's an- annually. So one of our largest initiatives in community education is called KS Kaya'ulu. And Kaya'ulu is the term, Native Hawaiian term for community. But Kaya'ulu also is another way to say um, nurturing uh, through um, helping someone grow or thrive. And so KS Kaya'ulu represents all of what we do in community. So that includes our scholarship efforts. It includes our partnership efforts. Uh, we actually have over 500 community-based partnerships, private schools and other preschools that we partner with to serve Native Hawaiian learners. And so when we talk about our ability to reach families in Hana, I always like to use that as an example. It's We're doing it because we have a preschool there, but we're also doing it because we have um, wonderful partners there that are that are also serving Native Hawaiians. We have uh, programs and support opportunities on uh, Molokai. We also have resource centers. Those resource centers we have across our state, 
And it allows any family to walk in the doors. I use the example of Windward Mall. So if you don't know, we have a resource center at Windward Mall. Families can walk into that center and get the support that they need, whether it is uh, an application for any of our campuses or preschools, um, or also help with connecting with any of our um, partnerships that are in, in the community. And so we have people there that staff the center every day. In other places like Waianae, we actually have larger facilities, and so uh, programs are able to uh, have their program operate out of our facilities to support Native Hawaiian learners. And we really actually have programs all the way from early learning in our partnerships, extended to um, adulthood, internships, OEV leadership is really important to us. And so we spend quite a bit of time and effort um, partnering with those that um, help our Native Hawaiian learners Uh, in that adulthood range as well, really think about how they lead into our future. And so really the the breath that I, that I love. It's, it's enormous. It's enormous. (laughs) And I think the interesting thing about Kamehameha schools and the educational foundations and their devotion to Mm -hmm. the, the education and the nurturing of their young people starting at the beginning is that once you start to get into it, you just think, this goes off, this spreads out. It's just absolutely massive. There's new initiatives too, which I think are really interesting at Kamehameha schools. It's, it's almost as if you're always being driven to look for what should we do next. And I'm thinking primarily of the new initiatives on, on agriculture and on, um, the creative programs for arts and entertainment and creating mm-hmm. industries here where not only are you nurturing children, it, from where they start and how they can become future leaders, but having them stay here and work and find industry here and find jobs here. And I just sometimes think there must be so so many thousands of minds because of that network. How does it come together? Like, for example, when you start something relatively new, like the Ialo group, Mm -hmm. presumably that has to go through, you know, so many changes before people will say, yes, this is a complete idea mm-hmm. that we can now forge forward with. Yeah, so he Yellow group um, was started right before the pandemic. And we, we lived through the pandemic. And, and even today, it's not the same group. And so we've constantly evolved in ways of trying to understand the best way to serve our communities and so um, I have a totally different group than I did in 2019. And our focus, though, has primarily been on how we reach and serve Native Hawaiians in, in our community. Now, the how we do it, as you talked about, with the, the food systems work um, with my colleague, uh, Dr. Duarte, who, who gets to focus on, on that um, all the way to our creative industries efforts, our OEV leadership efforts, just the same um, but we've also had some really tried and true um, focuses around education and always thinking about ways in which we can contribute better to education here in Hawaii um, for Native Hawaiians. So we've had a number of scholarship opportunities through Shamanad University and those partnerships to increase the number of Native Hawaiians um, that hopefully are teaching in our classrooms as, as an example. So we're constantly looking at when we step back and look at Hawaii uh, and the things that we want Hawaii to be and thrive in, how do we use our resources to best support Native Hawaiians to be in those places? And sometimes it is, well, it's always going to be education because it's always a gap for us across the state. We're all looking for educators. 
And we want our Native Hawaiian learners to have Native Hawaiian educators in those classrooms to really serve as an example. And so we'll always have that. Our food systems, um, as you folks may or may not know, I mean, we're the largest landowner in Hawaii, but we care about what happens to our lands and how we use it. And so we really want our lands to be productive for Hawaii. We want to contribute to the food that our babies eat and our families eat. And if at any time we can contribute, we want to contribute by how we grow our own native uh, plants um, and foods that we know are um, really healthy and, and really beneficial to our lands. And so we look at all kinds of creative ways. And you're right, sometimes there's a, a few brains, but most times there's hundreds of brains. And we include in our we include some of those conversations in our community so that we know how we're navigating in partnership with that with those communities. How much have you found yourselves developing in a different direction than you thought from 2019 when you began because as as try as we might we are never going to get away from that conversation of pre-pandemic post-pandemic and how we've changed but I would imagine with the Hialo group that you started with an idea and then quickly looked at what was happening in the world and how Perhaps teaching and nurturing was going to be different, different. for Native And boys. technology played so much, mm-hmm. uh, such a huge part in, in our shift. And so prior to, to the pandemic, a great example is in our preschools where technology in general and early learning would not be the, the preferred choice of, of a tool. Yeah. And today we know how to use it better to our advantage in, in um, helping our learners the second part is technology in the times of pandemic. Everyone's in, in homes trying to access resources. And so what we did, um, and we are constantly evolving. We have a platform called uh, Kayaulu uh, that you can go to, which has all of our educational resources that we can offer. That list is continuously growing. It also has uh, the list of our partnerships and what we can uh, offer and what families can access. And so using the online tools to, to really nurture our learners in different ways that we hadn't necessarily planned on in 2019. And today, I don't think that we could ever live without the online technology and online tools. And what's important for us, and you said it earlier, is you know, Native Hawaiians are across the state in places that sometimes uh, we can't always access physically, but perhaps they can access KS online. Um, when when they can, when um, when possible, or when they're interested in what we might have to offer, and we have the ability to give them those uh, those resources or options or opportunities. Yeah. It's really incredible, isn't it? How we had to learn so quickly how to make technology something mm-hmm. that was going to work for us, and I think particularly with what you do is because we're talking about nurturing and and holding precious things and making them grow. And you do not think about hard computers and hard drives and all of those things when you are in that kind of of outreach where you're trying to bring people together to remember where they came from and who they are and how they can grow. So I think we're adapting incredibly, right? We are. And, And always figuring out new ways of how to take advantage of technology while still remembering that we live and breathe in a physical community and that that's really important um, for us, that our families and learners are a genuinely part of the community and not so consumed 
in in the online on space, but rather using it as a tool for their advantage. Mm-hmm. We see, I think, a lot right now with particularly younger people because they're so consumed by technology, so mm-hmm. surrounded by it, and not necessarily the best parts of technology, you know, the parts that can make them feel less worthy, the, the social media that makes them feel that they're not as good as other people. Um, I think from from what I know about how Kamehameha Schools is so devoted to to keeping Native Hawaiian students aware of where they can come from and who mm. they are. And the most incredible things about the history of, mm. I always think about agriculture because I'm from a small agricultural community. Yeah. And when you look at things like fishing ponds and how phenomenal they were and how effective they were and how to mm-hmm. this day they are still one of the single most effective ways of managing mm-hmm. oceans and fishes and things like that. Do you today, and especially with something like the Hialo Group, is it easier to get students to want to know more about that now because it's so different from the technology that they're confronted with? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a significant move, I think, over the past 30, 40 years around that sense of Hawaiian identity. Um, having children of my own and being part of that that movement you know, my children are all um, have been exposed to and experience, you know, the fish pond as your example. And I think those are really important because in the, the fish pond, really what they're learning is who they are as Native Hawaiians in the practices, in the values, in um, how the fish pond works, how people work together. All of those things almost unconsciously show up in our Hawaiian values and perspectives. I think that's what's important for us when we talk about um, those places, those places of value in our community. It's because it gives our Native Hawaiian learners a sense of purpose and a sense of belonging. Um, And those in the larger community who really embrace those uh, those fish ponds and other cultural sites Mm -hmm. that um, that really speak to the heart of what Hawaii is. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. And I do think a lot of young people are almost searching for something more than just the sort of emptiness that they feel when they're confronted by just like my son who's 18 Mm -hmm. talks about it as having to experience things and touch things and be have your feet on old ground Mm -hmm. to feel you know where you come from and who you are and I think that a return to that can only be Good, you know, and I think in passing things on as well, you know, I think there's a lot of young people who are just growing up not really aware of where they came from and who they were and how to do certain things. Like when I look at um, Hawaiian quilting, this sounds like I'm going off on a tangent, but I'm not really. <laughs> you know, when I watch that as, as an art being passed on to people, there's such value in things like mm-hmm. that that, you know, you might not get if you're a 15 year old or something when someone is showing you. But you will, you have something that you'll carry with you throughout your entire life that isn't just a simple thing of sewing. It's right. so much more. Mm-hmm. And so one, one effort that's been with Kamehameha for a while and um, similar, to, this is really a, a way we express Hawaiian identity and to your point, what we would call ike kupuna or that ancestral knowledge or gifts that that we receive, whether it's from the people or even place, we, as we just talked about. And so for us, 
we expect all of our graduates to really leave with that sense of identity. And for, we frame it in a, in a word called eola. And ola generally means life, well-being, to breathe, to live. And so when you might hear it in other places, when somebody sneezes, you hear somebody say ola, and that means like, hey, I'm wishing you life, or we use the term eola to wish someone well. And so with that, we talk about how um, ike kupuna and these other foundations are really the roots of of our learners and their growing. So if you think about um, roots as being stabilizers, um, ike kupuna would be an important part of that as well as um, kupono. We use that as a way to ensure that we are grounding our learners and now our employees with that mindset, right? Because the more that we can help to grow that mindset of what it means to, to live in this beautiful place and what it means to carry its history and its value forward um, is important to us, whether you're a staff member or a student. And so we've been on this journey. It's a constant journey, um, which I really, really really enjoy and love seeing how we embrace all of, of our employees. That hasn't happened before. Usually we have outcomes and expectations for our learners around these types of things. And really we're saying it's important for all of our employees to know and feel that sense of purpose to our mission. And is that something that really developed also because in part of the pandemic that we started to realize that we, we've heard it from many other business owners that they started to look at their employees and think, we have to take care of you. We have to take care of them. So Eola has been a journey for um, in, in place and for our learners for a while pre-pandemic. Right before the pandemic, we started to have that discussion about what if Eola was really our organization's culture? What if we really embraced it and said, no matter who you are in this organization and no matter what you do, so you could be an educator, but you could also be in our commercial real estate, you could also be on our lands and managing that. And we still want you to think about and be Aola in, in this organization. And so what it's helped us to do is really think about growing and supporting our employees. And how do we do that well? And how do we, again, find every employee's purpose in no matter what they do? And sometimes it's accounting. And how does an accountant find value in that? And it's you know, connecting to that larger mission that Kamehameha really has. And so that's the way we sort of attack this, um, what is organizational culture? And for us, that is AOLA, and it's no different from, from our student expectations. And again, every time I think about, you know, programs at Kamehameha schools, mm -hmm. and when you're just talking about thinking about the wellness of employees, it's just on such a massive scale. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's when people really think about it and give it a moment. It it is incredible work that is going on in so many different. I mean, as you say, whether it's from real estate to sustainable agriculture mm -hmm. to creative to the school itself, and then to reaching these you know sixty seven thousand plus people who are not anywhere near on campus. It's a massive right. job. What is your what is your kind of wish for the ALO group from 2019 in its early stages, from what you've been through, the mm -hmm. changes, to say five years from now, 10 years from now, when you're looking over the program, what are the things that you want it to have accomplished most? For me, 
this group has always been about what is the best way we can impact every Native Hawaiian learner in our state. And so I imagine us to be reshaped and shaped uh, in that in that respect. Um, and I always think about, you know, in, in 10 years, I used to say in 20 years, the kids that we're serving today may be our leaders. And I would love for them to remember the programs and services that they've received from from uh, Kamehameha and KS Kayaulu, and that they really felt that that contributed to their grounding of their Native Hawaiian identity and gave them uh, a vision uh, for Hawaii that we could be, even if we were a small part of it, that we played a small part in in their future and in that role. That's really exciting to me. It's been a pleasure chatting with you today. I wish we had longer just yeah, to talk about all you. the different things that go on yeah. there, but thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. You've been listening to The Voice of Business, the official podcast of the Chamber of Commerce Hawaii, brought to you by Altruist. Join us next time for more stories of Hawaii's small business. <laughs>